Jesus, we love you. We worship you, Father. We give you glory and praise tonight, Jesus. Beside you there is none other, O God. You are wonderful and excellent, Lord Jesus. You are awesome. You have all power. You have all might, all ability. Jesus, there is no one like you, none beside you. You are the God who reigns over the whole earth. Jesus, we worship you. We praise you, Father. Let there be glory and honor given to you tonight, we pray. Jesus, let there be glory and honor given to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray the will of God be done tonight. We pray that you would speak to us, Jesus, that our minds would be open to you, our hearts would be open to you, and our spirits, God, would be open as you would speak your words to us, Father. I believe that you have a will for this night, God, that you have a plan and a purpose for bringing us together. Jesus, we pray that the ultimate will of God would be done tonight. Jesus, that you would have your way among us. Father, in your name, we give you glory. We give you praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Can everybody see and hear me okay? I just want to double check if you want to nod or yes or thumbs up. Okay. Um, I want to make a couple of quick announcements just really quickly. Um, this Thursday night, we're going to do our children's Zoom. So Sister Kayla, Sister Elena will be heading that up. I trust they are going to um, make sure everybody who wants to participate with their children get the information. Um, if you think Zoom is fun and, and chaotic, wait until it's a children's Zoom and you'll get to see an even greater uh, level of that. But also, it's going to be great. Um, I miss our children. I know that we miss collectively being able to come together as the body of Christ here uh, in, in the sanctuary, but um, we are starting these meetings uh, every Thursday night, a small group meeting for this purpose of being able to reach and connect with our um, individuals at that level. So um, just wanted to make sure everybody's aware of that this Thursday night. The following Thursday will be a youth-focused Zoom. And so young people, make sure you are, are prepared for that, ready for that. And then the following Thursday after that will be men's. And then the last Thursday of August will be ladies. So we are going to reach out and make sure everyone has the information to participate and stay connected and to maintain a, a level of fellowship with one another. That's what we want to do. So uh, I, I'm excited and I'm thankful for that. I am also excited and thankful that we have Brother Mel Berglund with us tonight. I want to hurry up and get uh, through what I have to say to give him as much time as, as we can. And Brother Berglund, certainly uh, thank you for being with us. Uh, we, this church, the congregation here, has had you uh, uh, come and minister a time or two in the past that I'm aware of. So you're not a complete stranger, but it's maybe been a while since we've got to see and hear from you over on this side of the state. So thank you for taking the time and setting aside the time to be with us tonight. And um, 
with that, I just want to turn it to you, Brother Berglund, and um, tell you to take your liberty. Okay, well, I appreciate the opportunity to um, speak to you folks tonight. And um, it's not quite as nice as being there. I have to admit, you know, the ride over the mountain and spending some time with you folks would be enjoyable. And I do this with the one caveat that you will invite us when the opportunity arrives. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, when you asked me to speak, I was um, in a personal study that I had been working on. And I just was trying to seek the Lord. Well, what would you have me to say? And I just honestly felt that what I had been studying is what's still in my heart. Is that all right? And so we're just going to say, maybe the timing is right. And you just asked for the right thing at the right time. And you just plugged into, you know, what the Lord was speaking to me about. That sounds and, great. But if not, um, it, it's really for me. Um, and I'm going to share my screen. And so host disabled participant screen sharing. Are you able to give me the ability to share screen? I believe I can. Let me just work on that really quick. Okay. So I wanna make sure that you can. And then um, just wait and see what happens here. You've got all sorts of buttons, no doubt. I know, this is the, this is the year of the button. Let's see. We'll try it. We'll give it a few shots here to make sure that you can share uh, share your screen. Um, Not yet. I've got all night, so don't worry about me. <laughs> well, that's good to know. Um, yeah, this is the joy of live stream and Zoom at the same time. Here we go. Enter, maximize. I'm going to try a couple of things. The first thing I'm going to try to do is make you a host. That probably would do it. You are the host now. Let's see if that'll work for you. That's all you needed to do. Okay, so I'm sharing my screen and I put a little reminder up here so that I would be able to ask folks, everyone I believe that's watching this, you have a control somewhere on your screen to where you can maximize me so that I fill up the whole screen. Is everybody able to see me as a full screen or am I just a tiny little square among other little squares? How about you, brother? See you or see the screen that you're sharing here. Yeah, could you see the scene? I don't need, you don't need to see me. Could All right. Me? Yes, I do see your screen and it's full screen here. And I hope that that's what everybody else is seeing also. It is. I've got my live stream going on the side here, secondary, and I see that full screen as well. Excellent. Okay, so I'm going to hide you guys so that you don't eat up all my screen. And you know, I'm a visual kind of person. And I just um, feel a lot better when um, they say, uh, you know, picture is worth a thousand words. 
so that I can get away with a thousand words just by showing you this picture right now. And I don't have to speak near as much. And so I hope, I hope that visuals help you because they help me a lot. Um, we're going to be looking at Ephesians 5.19. And Ephesians 5.19 says, Speak to one another with the words of psalms, hymns, and sacred songs. Sing hymns and psalms to the Lord with praise in your heart. And before I get into this, we as Christians love to get together. Now, we haven't been doing near as much as previously, and maybe this would be a good opportunity after we have the study to each of us make a commitment to try to do what we're going to learn tonight. And that is guard what we talk to each other about. When we get together as friends or even in our home with our family, we need to be very thoughtful about what we're speaking. And look at what it says here. Speak to one another with the words of Psalms. Who does that? You know, a guy comes home from work and says, the wife says, how are you doing, honey? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And she's like, what would you like to eat? I just said, I don't want anything, <laughs> you know? And I'm speaking to you in Psalms. I'm not sure if that's exactly what this is talking about. But I do believe that we are able, by sharing Psalms with one another and learning from the Psalms and, and making those a part of our commitment for communication, that there's a lot we can learn. And let's just jump right into here so you can see what I'm talking about. I've decided to use Psalms 39 for the lesson here tonight, okay? And Psalms 39 says it like this. I said, I will take, take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. I was dumb with silence. I held my peace even from good. And my sorrow was stirred. My heart was hot within me while I was musing, the fire burned. Then spank I with my tongue. Let's look at this first verse. I said, I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. And again, we're supposed to speak to one another in Psalms. So this psalm here really speaks to us about our communication patterns. It really speaks to us about how we communicate with one another. We can sin with our tongue. And so he says, I'm going to keep my mouth with a bridle. That brings up a verse in the New Testament that is very, very common to each and every one of us. James 1.26 says, if any man among you seems to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, David said, I'm going to put a bridle on my tongue, on my mouth. And James says, if you don't do that, you're deceiving your own heart and your religion is vain. And so we can deceive ourselves and we can hurt our religion or our display of faith or the way people perceive us as believers by letting things come out of our mouth that should have been controlled. 
And so we would say, I'm not going to say anything then. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. And that's what David decided. He said, I was dumb with silence. I held my peace. I'm putting a bridle on my mouth, and I'm not going to say a thing. And look at this. Even from good, I'm not going to say anything bad, but I'm not going to say anything good either. I'm just going to shut up. And look what happened to him. My sorrow was stirred. In keeping quiet about the good things that he should be speaking, it started to cause a process to happen in his soul that brought him sorrow. I'd like to look at Philemon chapter 1, 4 through 6. We don't spend a lot of time studying from the book of Philemon, but there's, there's some really good nuggets of truth in this very short letter. The apostle says to, um, in this letter, I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. And look at in verse 6, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in Christ Jesus. Let's look at that a little closer. The communication becomes effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing. Key words here, communication, speech, what we say, and saying every good thing. David said, I'm going to keep my mouth quiet, even from the good things. And we see in this verse, no, we can't keep our mouth quiet. We have to communicate the communication of our faith. We have to communicate what we believe. We have to say what is true to us because that's the only effectual, that's the only way it works. And it's through the acknowledgement of the good things. We have to say the good things, but we can't say the other things. But David kept his mouth quiet, even from the good things. His faith was no longer effectual. And so what happened is it caused a fire to start to burn within his heart. My heart was hot within me. He said, I began to have heartburn, as it were. I began to struggle. My heart had so many things that it wanted to express but I was keeping it in. I wasn't saying anything. This reminds me of a verse in the New Testament, and we're going to look at this verse later on in the study. This is concerning two disciples of Jesus who were walking down the road talking one day, and they were met by what they thought was a stranger, and it was the Lord Jesus Christ after he had risen from the grave. And he began to talk with them, and then their eyes were opened that it was Jesus. Afterwards, they had this to say about that encounter. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, while he opened to us the scriptures? David said, I had things in my heart from God that I had to express, that I had to let out, that I had to share, that I had to talk to somebody about. And it was burning within me. As a matter of fact, he says, 
while I was musing or thinking on these things, thinking about the things I wanted to talk about, the fire burned. And it became so intense in David's life and in his soul, he had to let it out. And this reminds me so much of a prophet in the Old Testament by the name of Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 20, verse 9, he determined, like David, that he wasn't going to talk about the Lord anymore. It's like, you know, I, I, I say anything and I get in trouble. It seems like everybody wants to argue nowadays. Everybody has an opinion, and it seems to go against mine. And Jeremiah said, I'm not even going to talk about this. I'm not talking about God. I'm not talking about nothing. But this is what he ran into. But when I say I will forget the Lord and no longer speak in his name, then your message is like a fire. Shut up in my bones. I try my best to hold it in, but can no longer keep it back. He experienced what David experienced, that when a person truly has the word of God in their heart, when they truly have the things of God in their soul, the things that they love, they've got to let it out. They have to talk to somebody about it. They got to share it with somebody. And if you reach the point where you don't talk about God and you don't talk about the Bible and you don't talk about church and you don't talk about the things of the soul and the things of eternity and it doesn't bother you, something's wrong with you. Something is seriously wrong with you. Let's go back to Psalms 39. My heart was hot within me while I was musing the fire burned. Then spake I with my tongue. So can you get the context here? David is saying, I don't want to sin with my tongue. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I'm going to keep a bridle on my mouth. I'm not going to get in trouble. But some things have to get out. And I have to know the difference of what to hold in and what must be let out. And David reached the point, he said, then spake I with my tongue. Notice, I was dumb with silence. I held my peace. And then, he says, I spake. The gap between these two things in David's life, holding his peace, even from good, and speaking, was when he was no longer willing to deal with the sorrow, and the fire got so hot, he just had to let it out. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1. This is David's son, Solomon, who wrote these things, and I really believe he learned a lot from his dad. To everything, there is a season, and a time to every purpose under the heaven. There's a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill, a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. 
is a time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. And this is what I've been trying to get to. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. This is what Solomon learned from his dad, David. They must have talked to each other. They must have shared things. I would like to think when David wrote this psalm that he probably read it to his young son, Solomon. And Solomon, as an older man, when he was king, took the wisdom of his father because his father spoke to him in psalms. He spoke to him about these things that are in the Word of God that are so filled with wisdom on how a person should live and interact with other people. And this particular psalm is about communication at this point. There's a time to keep silent, but there is also, and there must be, a time to speak. Know when to keep silent. Know when to speak. How to determine those two things. It's been said, it's better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak out and remove all doubt. And I've found myself in that place where, you know, I'm in a conversation, a discussion or something, and it's like, man, I got a lot to say. I think I'm just going to sit here. I don't care. They don't know how smart I am or if they think that I'm an idiot. I'm just going to be quiet on this one. But there comes a time when silence is betrayal, where it's wrong to not say something. Somebody has to stand up for truth. Somebody has to stand up and say, excuse me, I don't agree with this. And when maybe you're with a group and, you know, five or six people and everybody is saying something and you know it's wrong and it's not going to be popular, but you're going to have to say, I'm going to take a dissenting voice on this one. I believe this and suffer the consequences for it. Know when to keep silent, no when to speak. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 20, it says, But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. When to speak to God and when not to speak to God. Maybe I'm a little bit old-fashioned on this, but I don't believe that it's proper to go to God with nonsense. I don't think we should just go to God and just ramble. If you're going into the throne room of God, have something to say. If you're going to God in prayer or, or whatever the circumstances are, you're talking to the king of the universe. Don't, and I, I remember as a young Christian, the, the pastor would talk about how, you know, we should pray for an hour. We should pray for two hours. We should, you know, pray for, you know, all day long. Just pray, pray, pray. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just going to be honest here. I don't pray that much. 
Now, maybe that's going to offend some of you. But I, as a young Christian, I remember telling God, Lord, I'm not talking to you hour after hour. But when I come to you, I honestly have something to say. Rather than 45 minutes of Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Jesus. What does the Bible say about vain repetitions? You know, and there are some times when people go to God and because they really haven't thought through what they're going to say to him, they'll make promises and commitments that they don't intend to keep. What does the Bible say about guard your mouth and don't make vows, foolish vows? And so it says here, the Lord is in his holy temple. We don't need to hear from you right now. We need to hear from God. But then there's another time when we need to speak to God. Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? You're familiar with the scenario here. This is when God came to earth, visited Abraham at his tent at the, at the oak tree there in Mamre, and said, Abraham, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham is like, I got family down there. And Abraham drew near. He, he got up really close to God. He got almost in God's face, if I can see the scenario here. And he says, excuse me, God, you're not going to destroy the good people too, are you? Be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, that the righteous should be as the wicked. Be that far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. Abraham answered and said, Behold now, and I want you to look at this, I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, but I am but dust and ashes. For Abraham to come to God and make his requests known, he realized I don't really deserve to be in your presence. And it's almost awkward to be asking you something. You're the God of the universe. You have made the judgment of what you're going to do. And I'm questioning it. Lord, I really feel awkward with this. But he had to say something because it was on his heart and it was a right thing. No one to speak to God. No one to keep quiet. No one to speak to others and when to keep quiet. Let's take a look at Isaiah 36, 20. We're just jumping right into this chapter. Who are they among all the gods of these lands that have delivered their land out of my hand, that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of my hand? The scenario in this particular story is Jerusalem is being attacked by an enemy. And as the enemy with all of his armies stands there at the city gates on the outside of the wall, making threats, he asks the people that can hear him within the city of Jerusalem, who's gonna help you? I have captured city after city after city, and none of the gods of this land have been able to help. Why should you trust in your Jehovah? But look what it says in verse 21. But they held their peace, answered him not a word, for the king's commandment was, answer him not. The king of Jerusalem had wisdom, 
And he said, we're not going to get into a debate here on this. We're not going to win a debate with this guy. He's just captured 20 cities. We're not going to argue with him because that's only going to destroy some people's faith if I can't come up with a good argument. And it's better in a, some scenarios like that, just keep quiet. Just stay out of it. Have you ever found yourself on social media where some people are arguing and debating back and forth and you just know that you could throw in the answer and you realize what a waste of time that would be? It's just not worth it. And sometimes answer them not. But then there's situations we find Paul mentions it three times in the New Testament. In Ephesians, pray also for me that God will give me a message when I am ready to speak so that I may speak boldly and make known the gospel's secret when I am ready to speak. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you're not ready to speak? Don't speak. If you're not ready, it's better to not let everybody that hears you realize that. We need to be ready to give an answer, the Bible says, to every man that asketh of reason of the hope that lies within us. We need to be ready. But if we're not ready, well, then it's best to just not speak and get ready. Colossians 4.4, pray then that I may speak as I should in such a way as to make it clear. We need to speak to others with clarity. We need to speak to others with a message of clarity that they can understand. And we've all heard that keep it simple, stupid. You know, we understand that. You know, there's no value in speaking if the people that are hearing us don't know what we're talking about. Make it clear and concise. And finally, in 1 Thessalonians 2.4, Instead, we always speak as God wants us to. Wow, that's a mouthful right there. When we speak, we're saying what God wants us to say. This is the bridle that David was talking about when he said, I'm going to put a bridle over my mouth. This is the bridle in the book of James, where it says, If any among you bridleth not his tongue, he deceives himself, and this man's religion is vain because they're not speaking as God wants them to. Can we honestly say that when we get together with brothers and sisters in the Lord for coffee, for dinner, for fun, that we're saying things that are glorifying to God and that we are speaking the things that God would want us to speak? Have you ever gone away from a gathering and felt conviction about what you talked about and the way the conversation went? I'd like to just take a moment and digress. This is the Apostle Paul as he was traveling in his missionary journeys, and he was in the city of Troas on the northern shores here of what today is modern Turkey. Um, from your geography class in school, you remember that as Asia Minor. And he was getting ready to go in another direction. God gave him a dream, and he was instructed. It was the Macedonian call is what we call it. He saw a vision of a man saying, come on over and help us. And he went over 
crossed over what we call the Bosporus in the Dardanelles, where today the city of Constantinople is, and there was a Greek city there, Philippi. And while in Philippi, as he ministered and preached the gospel, he ended up in jail, took a severe beating. And his experience in Greece and Macedonia was radically different than his experience in Asia Minor. But God told him, I'd like you to go over there and speak. I'd like you to go over there and, and preach. And from there, he went to Thessalonica and got in trouble again. Things were a little better in Berea, but then those that were traveling with him felt that it was time to send him down to Athens, where he saw the city wholly given over to idols, and he couldn't keep it inside, and so he all by himself, without his team, got into some pretty serious debates with the philosophers in Athens. And when the, his friends finally found him, they like, man, we got to get this guy out of here before he gets killed. And they sent him off to Corinth. He's not having a good experience in his travels. Um, if you look at the map, I have Troas in green. It's a green light. And I've got everything else pretty much in red. It's a red light. And at this point, the Apostle Paul was probably getting to feel like David or even Jeremiah. And it's like, I think I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. And look at the Lord spake to him in Acts 18, right at this time when he was in Corinth. Then spake the Lord to Paul in night by a vision. Be not afraid but speak, hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. Do you see the scenario here? He goes into a new area, nothing goes right, nothing goes right, nothing goes right. Every time he opens his mouth, he gets in trouble. Every time he says something, somebody contradicts him. People disagree with him to the point where they try to kill him. He ends up in jail. He ends up with legal problems, probably going to go on probation or something. And the Lord had to come to him at night and say, okay, we'll, we'll back off on the persecution for you a little bit. Nobody's going to hurt you. Nobody's going to hit you. Nobody's going to put you in jail. We're going to give you a break, but you got to keep talking. You got to keep saying and speaking. Don't hold your peace. Let's go back to Psalms 39. After the lesson of when to speak, when to keep quiet, speaking even when it's painful, if you're supposed to speak, David in verse 4 says, Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is, that I may know how frail I am, how short you have made my life. In your sight, my lifetime seems nothing. Indeed, every living thing, every living being is no more than a puff of wind, no more than a shadow. All we do is for nothing. We gather wealth, but we don't know who will get it. Here, David begins to contemplate life, the purpose of life, 
why we're doing the things that we do, why we're gathering wealth, why we're so concerned. And he's like, in, in God's sight, and I believe it was Brother Nick Johnstone, he made a statement a couple weeks ago, maybe, in, in one of his ministry, where he said, you know, sometimes I tell the Lord, Lord, how long is this trial going to last? It's been going on forever. And the Lord looks at him like, Brother, what do you know about forever? <laughs> we don't know nothing about, God knows about forever. God was around millions of years before you were born. He knows about forever. And in God's sight, our lifetime is just a puff of smoke. And our problems that seem to last so long flash by, as it were, in the blink of an eye in the time of God. We're no more than a shadow. And the things that we are so concerned about in this life are actually nothing more than distractions. Your life is a very thin strip of beach along the vast ocean of eternity. I was down on ocean shores the other day with my grandchildren and my, one of my daughters and, and Susanna. And this thought came to mind. You know, the kids, they wanted to play in the ocean. I wanted them to stay on the beach. I felt safe with the kids on the beach. And then them tiny little kids start walking out into that vast ocean. And I'm looking at the horizon. And I told my wife, I says, on the other side of that ocean is the country where you're from. It's all the way to Indonesia. I says, if you look really hard, I think you can see your brother over there. But the reality is the ocean is so vast. And the shore is so narrow. And our life is nothing but that strip of beach along this vast ocean that we call eternity. And Jesus, in teaching on this thing one day, told a parable. And he said, there was once a rich man who had land which bore him good crops. And he began to think to himself, I don't have a place to keep all my crops. What can I do? This is what I will do, he told himself. I'll just tear down my barns and build bigger ones, where I will store the grain and all my other goods. Then I will say to myself, lucky man, you have all the good things you need for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said unto him, you fool. You're going to die tonight, dude. This very night, you will have to give up your life. And that shows the brevity of life. And if you look at a tombstone, and here we put a tombstone in this man's pasture where he was growing such good crops, and we planted him there among his vineyards. And if you look really close at the tombstone, maybe it was 1950 to 2020, 1940 to 2020, 1930 to 20, doesn't matter. It's been said, and you can see the little dash. Our life is nothing more than that little dash between two dates, when we board and when we die. And what do we do with that little dash between those two dates? That's the important question. 
In thinking about these things, David said, what then can I hope for, Lord? If life is so short, it's a puff of smoke, and if we try to make it into something more than it is, we're fools. If I can't hope in all the good things that I can accumulate in this life, then where can I put my hope? David had a ready answer for that because he was a believer. He understood the frustration of life. He understood the brevity of life. And for those of us, I mean, I don't know if I'm the oldest one in the group here or not. Anybody here older than me? Raise your hand. Thanks. <laughs> you know, um, it seems like just a couple of months ago, I was a kid. I remember it wasn't that long ago when I would be asked to minister and I'd be asked to speak and people would comment on, oh, he's so young. And now they say, not bad for an old man. How did I go from so young to so old with nothing in the middle? I don't remember getting older. I don't remember it happening. And it happened so quickly but I am so thankful that I learned somewhere in that time frame to not put my trust in the things of this world. And there's nothing wrong with accumulating these things of this world. The thing is when you think you can hang on to them longer than you're allotted, that you think that somehow you can make that dash between the dates stretch to the other side of your death, you can't do it. And so what should we say to God then? Well, Lord, save me from all my sins. Don't let fools make fun of me. And look at this again. I will keep quiet. I will not say a word, for you are the one that made me suffer like this. And so now we see in this psalm, David was struggling with some personal issues. He started out by saying, I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to keep quiet. And then he came to the realization, no, I have to say the good things. But now we come to realize that he is also able to comprehend that some of the problems that he's going through. And, you know, in studying this psalm, was it where Absalom, his son, was trying to take over the kingdom? Was it where Saul, the king, was trying to kill him? What was the problem here? Was this when he was running with his band of merry men? I mean, what issue was he going through here in when he wrote Psalms? We don't really know for sure, but we do know this. Life is filled with issues. Life is filled with problems. You're going to have problems. I'm going to have problems. Things are going to go right for you. Things didn't go right for David. And he knew that during times like that, there were those that would mock him. They'd say, hey, I thought you were a believer. Isn't, aren't your life supposed to be perfect? I never read that part in the book. I mean, could somebody show me that? You know, no, my life is not going to be perfect. Things are not going to go the, the way they should, or I wish that they would. And when I realize that it's my own fault and that God is somehow teaching me through all of this, I can keep quiet and learn from God at that point because it does no good for me to start to complain when God's got me in the judgment seat and he's trying to teach me a lesson. 
you know, if you've raised children and, you know, I never really like to punish my kids and I probably, you know, they're not here right now. I, I wish they were here to hear this. I probably should have punished them more. You know, it's probably a lack of punishment on my part, but the, I don't like it when a child needs to be punished and they just make an excuse after excuse after excuse. And it's like, shh, just take your punishment. You know, just quietly take your punishment and it's better that way. He says, I'll keep quiet. I will not say a word for you are the one who made me suffer like this. Remove thy stroke from me, from away from me. I am consumed by the blow of thy hand. When thou with rebukes dost correct man for iniquity, thou makest his beauty to consume away like a moth. Surely every man is vanity. Selah. And then he says, hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my cry. Hold not thy peace at my tears. And we're going to wind up with this. For I am a stranger with thee, and a sojourner as all my fathers were. I am a stranger, but look at what he says, with thee. He acknowledged and he understood that he was just passing through this life, just passing through this land. He was a stranger. He was a sojourner, as all of the Jews have been. But he acknowledged that he wasn't alone. I am with thee. Oh, spare me that I may recover strength before I go hence and be no more. Let's take a look at 1 Peter 1, 15. But he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy. So many times people stop right there and say, well, yeah, holiness standards. But look at what it says. Be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. This verse really speaks to what David said. I'm a sojourner, but I'm walking this road with a holy God. And I need to be talking with him the things that he wants to speak with me. Be holy in all manner of conversation. It's the conversation in our sojourning that we're talking about here. Let's go back to Luke 24. We started out the Bible study lesson with a little bit of this, where there's, these two guys were walking to the road to Emmaus. They ran into Jesus, but they didn't know it was Jesus. And Jesus, their eyes were closed. They couldn't see who he was, began to talk with them. On the same day, two of Jesus' disciples were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. I want you to picture the words of David. David said, I'm a sojourner with you. I'm walking this road with you, God. 
and I've learned what to say and I've learned what not to say. I've learned what to complain about and I've learned what not to complain about. I've learned not to spend my time and my conversation with you complaining about things that I'm personally responsible for. And he learned how to talk to God and with that other disciple, as it were. And it says, and they were talking to each other about all the things that had happened. And as they talked and discussed, these things are being brought out for a reason. The, the, the writer of this gospel is letting you know that these people walking down the road are talking and they're talking to each other and they're discussing things. And what are they saying? And they saw him, who was Jesus, but somehow they did not recognize him. They didn't realize that Jesus was there in their conversation with them. And Jesus said unto them, what are you talking about to each other as you walk along? And it says they stood still with sad faces. What I want to share here, and I'm done with the pictures, I'm done with the graphics. Understand that when you get together with a brother or a sister, and you're having fellowship, coffee, talking about stuff, Jesus said, we're two, 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 are gathered together in my name. Now, if you're talking to yourself, that's a whole different Bible study that I could teach. But if you are with a brother or a sister in Christ, and you're talking, and you're discussing, and you're having conversation, and Jesus is there, he really is. He said, if two or three are gathered together in my name, I'll be there. And you don't recognize him. You don't know that he's there. You don't, you're like these disciples. You didn't realize that Jesus was listening in. And he asks you, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Now, I'm not saying we're talking about bad things. I'm not talk, saying we're talking about foolish things. I'm not saying we're wasting the time, but I'm asking the question of this generation. When you get together, are you ever talking about the Bible? You know what kept me as a young Christian? And I'm just going to share from my heart. When I first started attending the Pentecostal church, almost 50 years ago, I was a young man. And I wasn't familiar with the ways of the Pentecostals. And I tried to fit in with the, the youth of the church, the young people, they call them and go to the things they went to, do the things that they did. It didn't take me long. As a young, on-fire Christian, I was offended. Now, I'm a guy that had just come out of the world, come out of the drug culture, come out of swearing and doing all sorts of horrible things and wasn't showing a lot of love. God saved me from that culture. And as a young Christian, I became offended by the youth group in my church. 
Now, were they swearing? No. Were they talking bad? No. Were they mean? No. But they were never talking about the Bible. They were never talking about God. They were never talking about Jesus and what he's done in their life. And I would get together with them because I wanted so much to talk about God. Fortunately, God began to save a lot of young people off the streets in our community. We had a coffee house, and it was called the Way House. And our pastor, Brother James Merrick, he was a young preacher. He had a vision. He had a burden for hippies. And a couple of us hippies had gotten saved, and he turned us loose on the city. And he said, here, you guys have a coffee house. Make it work. And people would come in. We'd give them coffee. They would come in to talk about stuff. We would talk to them about God. We wouldn't talk about foolish things. We wouldn't talk about things that didn't matter. Now, we didn't just walk up and start preaching to them. We'd play a game of chess with them. We would share a little bit about this, talk a little bit about that, see where their heads were at. That's what, where's your head at? We always had gospel music playing there, but the conversation would turn to God. We had people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost in our coffee house. We would pray with them over coffee, and God began to save people. And those of us that came to the Lord that way, we began to get together after church because church was never enough for us. And so we would go out to a restaurant after church. We'd go get a dinner or something, 10 o'clock at night, and we're ordering food at the Highway Host restaurant. And we would fill up a table. As a matter of fact, the waitress there got saved. And currently her and her husband pastor a United Pentecostal church in Iowa, and I just found out that their son now is an assistant pastor in Missouri. But we talked about God in that restaurant. We would get together. We had one guy in our group, he was blind. Couldn't see, I mean, he was blind, and he had a Braille Bible. And he would always ask us, what are we gonna talk about tonight? What are we gonna share? And we'd say, oh, we're gonna be talking about Romans chapter two, because he had to bring Romans chapter two. It was a book. It was Braille. And so we'd have Romans chapter 2, and he'd put that on the table and push the coffee cup off to the side, and he'd be reading with his fingers, and we would be talking about the Lord, and people there in the restaurant would be looking at us like, I don't know what they thought, but often they would want to join in. What do you have in the Bible study? If we were talking about movies, the world, things like that, that wouldn't attract any attention. I'm talking about the need for us as Christians to just talk about the things of God when we get together and let it flow and see where it goes. Brother, I'm done. I could keep talking, but it's your turn. So why don't you mute me and do what you do? Amen. Well, let's figure out what I can do here. Um, You might have to go back into making me as host, Brother Berglund. Uh, so where did you find that? Is it in a drop-down somewhere? So if you can find the participants list, and then you'll see the user Life Church Union Gap and then there's a button beside them that says more. 
participant list. I, I can see the the it's all the speakers right now. Mm -hmm. but I'm not. Um, so where's participant list? Participant, I see it. Okay. Now the the user called Life Church Union Gap. Okay, I see that. And more and make host. We did it. There you go. We can be trained. <laughs> it's amazing. Amen. Brother Berglund, thank you for that. I tell you what, I feel the presence of God here uh, listening to these things. I think first I just want us to give a want to give everyone a chance to to pray to respond. I'm, I'm trusting others are feeling the same uh, conviction, burden, and, and just closeness of God that I'm feeling. And I want to give us a chance to respond to that. So just if you would take a moment, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for speaking to us tonight from your word. Lord, I thank you for ministering to me. I pray, oh God, as I feel the closeness of your presence, Lord, and the way that, that you have just manifest yourself through this message, through this lesson tonight, God, I pray that that would become, Lord, a feeling that I am used to. Jesus, as you would come into a conversation, as you would manifest yourself through a spoken word, God, you even demonstrated it for us yourself. In the very beginning, you spoke words and you proved, God, that those words manifest you. They manifest your power, your spirit, your glory. Jesus, and that is just a part of your character. It's a part of who you are. And even up till this day, God, in 2020, as the word of God is spoken, you are able to manifest yourself through that. Jesus, I pray that would become a, a characteristic of my life and of the lives of these people that are watching and joining tonight. Father, we know that you are real. We know that your word is true. All of these things, God, that we, we've got them settled in our mind. We've got them settled in our spirit. We believe upon them. We stand upon them. God, but I believe tonight you are calling us to express them in a way that we have not previously to this day, just through our conversation, just through speaking and believing and meditating on your word and your character and who you are. Jesus, in your name, I pray let there be an examining right now, God, of our lives. Jesus, we want the words that we speak, we want them to be full of spirit. We want them to be full of power. God, we want them to be full of life. I believe it, Lord Jesus. I believe it, Lord God. There is power in the word, Jesus. And when it comes out of our mouth, when it comes out of our conversation, our lifestyle, everything, God, that we would speak and portray, I pray right now, let it be the quickening power of the Holy Ghost. 
Let it be the quickening power of the Holy Ghost when we open up our mouth to speak, God. If it's in response to a question, Lord, even at that quickening moment, your spirit can call forth and manifest your presence. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Hikatahaya. Hallelujah. I, I, I'm remembering a time when um, I, was, I was having a, I was going through a season. That's probably one way that I can put it. I was going through a season of my life where I was in a pretty constant communication with a, a, a minister that was helping me navigate for myself and for my family through this season. And um, on one particular instance, when he and I were talking, um, it, it was probably just kind of a, a, a descriptive of me, my, uh, myself personally. I'm not a very talkative person by nature. I'm not, a, uh, I'm not even an, really an extrovert by nature. And even in my conversations with this minister, all I'd really have to do is get him on the phone <laughs> take about 10 seconds and say, okay, here's the latest. And then he would go for 30 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour. And I, I, I'm just taking all this in. Well, in, in particular, there was one instance when I said, okay, I'm surrounded. I feel right now like I am surrounded by people that don't care to, I shouldn't say they don't care to hear what I have to say. What they're saying and, and the messages that they are projecting are so contrary to what I feel and to what I know. And, and I, I feel like any time a conversation gets started, I just know automatically I'm not going to agree with it. I'm going to know from personal experiences that what they are saying doesn't bear witness with what I feel inside. And... <laughs> I was, I was pretty much asking him for help, asking him for advice. How do I even, you know, how they've got, they've got years of experience. They've got knowledge. They've got all the, all the qualifications that make them seem qualified to speak on this subject or whatever we're talking about. But I just know what I feel and what I feel inside is the word of God. And it's not necessarily in a hundred percent agreement with that. And so what he said was, don't, don't underestimate the, the power and the value of a word fitly spoken. He said the Bible talks about a word fitly spoken. And that it, honestly, it, it, it calmed me. It ministered to where I was in that situation because it let me realize, okay, I don't have to worry about matching volume. I don't have to worry about matching word count. If you're talking about writing a paper, you're familiar with word count. I don't have to worry about any of those things. I just have to know when the Lord gives me something to say, I, I rest in that and I, and I speak it and I claim it and I believe this word fitly spoken becomes the thing that I need to say in that moment. And that is a driving, I, I try to this day to let that be a driving factor 
in my conversation, in my communication. There's times many of you uh, in the congregation, I, I, I'll get to spend a little bit of time with you, maybe on the phone or just in person here or there. And um, you're probably wondering why I don't say more sometimes. Um, but this is, this is kind of what I'm, what I'm expressing tonight. I'm listening to what the words should be that the Lord would want to have spoken. Now that's just one, that's a, almost an example of a response into a, a conversation, a, a, an interjection, if you will. What, one of the great things that Brother Berglund has mentioned and brought out here tonight is this should just be how we address our situations, our, com our conversations with one another. When, you know, when I get together with a believer, I, I, can, do, I can do small talk for a little while. Uh, some of you can probably do it a little bit longer than I can. Um, this, is another, this is another one of those introverts' curses, okay? I'm, just, I'm being honest with you tonight. Um, one of the introverts' curse is you would rather say nothing than even small talk. <laughs> An extrovert, I don't care what we're talking about. We can be talking about what's stuck to the bottom of your shoes, but we just need to be talking about something, right? Um, and, and it's a, almost a difference in, in, in nature and a difference in personality to that regard. But what we've heard and learned tonight exceeds, it, it, it supersedes personalities. We don't get to use personality as an excuse to excuse ourselves from what either is or is not taking place in our conversations and just say, well, that's not me. I'm not that. I don't, I can't go there. I don't know enough and make excuse after excuse when what we've seen and heard tonight clearly is the Lord wants to direct your conversation. He wants to lead. Not only does he want to be a factor or a part of the topic, he even wants to lead a conversation. And what, that's really a relief to me as an introvert, as someone who would think, I'd rather not speak at all, but if I'm going to be in a situation where I have to talk and I'm expected to speak, good news, the Lord is there with me to give me what it is I should be saying. And I, be, I become dependent on that and lean upon that and, and just know I don't have to worry about feeling the air with words. I don't have to worry about, okay, what do I have inside that I can try to get out? It's what does the Lord want to have said here? What might the Lord uh, care to express in a situation that I'm in. Again, Brother Berglund, thank you so much for sharing these things. Our, our conversations, it doesn't get more practical than this. The things that we think about and the things that we talk about. Amen. Let it be the Word of God. Let it be the Word of God. That's what I'm hoping and praying for tonight. Um, Bishop Schoonover, I saw that you just joined us. Uh, I don't know if you'd like to take a moment and, and address or speak to, to everyone. It's great that you're here. 
um, if you'd like to um, if you'd like to unmute address us you're certainly welcome I'm pretty contented to just uh, sit back and listen all right well thank you for being on brother Berglund thank you for uh, for sharing that with us I trust everybody is 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 uh, monitoring yourselves, your time, your your battery life, all those things that become our our um, schedule qualifiers. But um, I do want to just maybe ask a couple of things from Brother Berglund along the lines of the things that he shared here tonight. Um, and because Brother Berglund, we don't get to have you up very often, and you have ministered to us. It's been great. It's been powerful. I know the word of God is in that. Um, but I, I just want to ask you, um, well, uh, several things were going through my mind and my spirit as we were um, listening tonight. But how can you, um, if you would, would you explain the scripture that tells us to pray without ceasing in in this context of when to speak and when not to speak is that enough of a leading question for you no no i mean i know i've got uh brother schoonover listening here so i need to be doctrinally correct uh, <laughs> and i don't want to you know sidestep you know the way that you know this may or may not have been taught but there's two ways to look at pray without ceasing. One of them is just be praying all the time. The other one is don't quit praying for something. You know, um, example is I've got family that doesn't know the Lord. And, you know, I pray for him for a couple of weeks and then I quit. I ceased. Okay, so pray without ceasing could mean don't stop praying for things. Don't give up. Pray until you get the answer. The answer will come. And that's, that's one way to look at it. And, and I, I kind of lean that way. I don't necessarily think that it means every breath I take, every thought I think, because if that's the case, I've personally not been able to do that. Um, I, I don't have that ability. Um, but then in, there's still another aspect of prayer that I think that we need to look at also, brother. And, um, and I, I address this, you know, in some of my teaching, prayer to me is conversation. And when, when you go into the throne room of God, when he put, holds out the sepulcher and says, come into my presence, what would you ask? Um, I, I believe that you should come in with a clear understanding of what you want and and make your requests known to god don't go in there like well lord you know and just start rambling and rambling and rambling say what you want from god and then be quiet because you're not there to hear what you want you already know what you want you're not there to hear your voice and you're definitely not there so that other people can hear or see you pray you're there because you want to hear an answer. Why do I go into the presence of God? Because I want to hear from God. 
And if we think of prayer not as just me making requests, but as communication with God, there comes a point where I'm not saying a word, but I'm still in prayer, but I'm listening. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay. Yes, it does. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sh shift here a little bit because this scenario happened today and it, it was actually played through my mind several times while you were speaking today. And um, it's a, it, to me, I guess it was another example of the, first of all, what are you talking about? Second of all, when should you be talking and saying what you're saying and when should you not? I, today was primary election day and I'm not gonna get political. Everybody can, can take a sigh of relief. Um, I'm not going there, except I just want to give you all a, a scenario that happened here. Uh, I work at the courthouse. That's where you go to take your ballots if you're going to uh, vote in person. So um, at one point in the day, I was walking through the hallway, and um, obviously there was a lot of foot traffic there today, more so than normal, because of these people coming in and, and voting, dropping off ballots, and so forth. Well, uh, down, uh, way down the hallway, I heard a loud voice, and um, most of the time, people, there's two, I guess there's two types of people I'm learning that, that come to the courthouse. There's quiet people, and there's loud people, and most people are quiet people, at least in that setting, but the loud ones, you hear them, uh, whether you want to hear them or not, and this person, uh, I, I gathered he had just dropped off his ballot, and was on his way exiting the building, but I would imagine he had entered the same way that he exited. He was basically yelling about every 10 feet, he was yelling, if you care about this country, vote. And then I, uh, he, I'll leave it a blank. He, he, he uh, was basically there to promote the, the party uh, that he was promoting. If you care about this country, vote and he said it, and I was almost waiting for, an, for a voice of, a, of a, 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 a detractor or the other party if someone was going to speak up, and because I thought, man, that can get really entertaining really fast, <laughs> a conversation like that. Of course, it didn't happen, and in a matter of 30 seconds, he was out of the building and, and on about the day, but... I'm just telling you because it, it's, it, it, it reverberated in my spirit a couple of times, Brother Berglund, as you were talking today about conversation and when to speak and when not to speak. And just because it marked me, I mean, the, it, could have been, it could have been any topic about any, uh, I guess you could say, especially a hot button issue like politics. Uh, it could have been any topic like that. And where one person is just going to interject themselves into a situation and speak loud and clearly, here's how I feel about this. I don't care who's going to hear it. I don't care who, how they're, how they're going to react, how they're going to respond. Uh, I just got to say this and get it out there. Um, if Brother Berglund, the last lead question wasn't enough lead-in question, well, this one is even less. But I wanted to, I wanted to tell you about that. And I wanted to ask you your thoughts about that. 
Do you suppose somebody going into that courthouse with their decision on voting for candidate A, hearing this man promoting candidate B made a change? <laughs> I really don't think so. No, that's not the way change is made, you know. And so um, the purpose or the intent or whatever was behind that person doing that, um, frustration, um, who knows, but it really is not anything designed to bring about change. Um, again, you know, the conversations that we have with one another, um, are we interested in bringing about change? Are we interested in listening to other people and maybe, hey, you know, maybe I'll change or, or is everybody so opinionated and we're just spewing this stuff out and, you know, raising the rhetoric and, um, and actually I, I did a short little video on this just about a week ago on, you know, basically told people that listen to me on social media, back off on the rhetoric. We're starting to hate each other, you know, and, you know, for Christians, we need to be so careful because we're called to represent Christ. We're ambassadors for Christ. And let me just say this. I, I lived in a foreign country for four years that had a government that I don't care how bad the government in America gets. It can't possibly match what I lived under for four years as far as corruption and as far as oppression for dissidents. And people that did and said the wrong things disappeared. They disappeared and they were never seen. And people would often wonder where they got buried. And literally they were taken out of the system. And I was there for four years and I made a determination that it's none of my business. I am not here to get involved in politics. I'm here to teach the Bible. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't get involved in the politics of Indonesia. I'm just not gonna go there. I'm just not gonna do that. Um, to, to make the even a little bit scarier, prior to that, I was spending a little time in Vietnam. And I was in Vietnam just after the war, flew in on a Russian jet. And if I got involved in a political discussion there, um, the State Department had already told me, you're going to disappear and we don't even know you exist. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to remember that even though politics is an interesting subject or whatever, you know, the hot subject's going to be once this is done. If we're not careful, it distracts from why we're there. I was in Vietnam to look at the possibility of the United Pentecostal Church bringing in missionaries someday. I was in Asia and they said, would you go in there, reconnoiter the place for about a month and then give a report? And I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm crazy. I'll do that. And I did. And I my report basically was, I don't know that a missionary family could survive there at this point. It's a little difficult, you know? Mm -hmm. And I didn't get myself arrested. Um, one guy did accuse me of being a spy. <laughs> you know, that was a crazy night. But yeah, we got to be careful. We just have to be careful what we say. I've seen a lot of people, Christians, sadly, um, get into such arguments and debates over, and the, the, the thing I use is a mask. You know, to, to where you can't even talk to somebody about Jesus anymore because you've already let your opinions be known on a piece of cloth. Don't go there.
I'm gonna keep my mouth shut before I get in trouble, brother. <laughs> it's good though. That's that's good. Uh, I was just kind of thinking about along those lines. We, as the body of Christ, especially right now when our when our gatherings are so limited as far as person to person um, in face one on one communication, it's so limited that we might not deal with it as much now. But even to some degree, we do. Um, when we get together, because I know, I know that you, I'll give, I'll give you a hypothetical. I know that if I knew that you were not a fan of Apple products and I don't, uh, that's just a hypothetical. Then when I see you at church, you know how easy it is for me to just think, oh, there's the guy that we talk about Apple products when I see him in even in the church, <laughs> you know, um, and, and it's so easy for our conversation to, to get off a track like, like what you've talked about tonight, simply because, well, you know, what's it going to be like? How, how do I just talk about God all the time? And we almost limit that to our salutations and greetings. Praise the Lord. How are you doing? I'm blessed. Good. Let's talk about how work went today. <laughs> uh, not, you know, almost all day at work, the Lord was dealing with me on a scripture, but I'd rather just keep that below the surface and keep our conversation at a, at a surface level where I don't really have to go and dive into depths of what the Lord may or may not have been speaking to me about today. Um, as I would dare say, as young people, you mentioned your example uh, when you were when you were a youth. Um, as young people, it's probably even harder. I, if I go back and imagine, um, man, we don't just sit around and talk about the Bible. That's that's not what anybody does. We we you know we find what what entertains us, what things we like to talk about, and. And honestly, I felt such conviction tonight as you were ministering and, and talking about those things that um, whether or not I know what Brother Timothy's favorite video game is, I, that is, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, in this, in this scheme of things that we're talking about tonight, but if I just can talk, if I can spend five minutes with him and talk about you know, what's the Lord done for him? Or what's it, and give me an example of a time that, that the Lord healed you or, or took you through a challenge or whatever. Those kinds of conversations are what we've talked about tonight that manifest the spirit and presence and power of God. You know, it's the, you mentioned the scripture that says where two or three are gathered together in my name. Is it possible for you and I to go meet at Starbucks when they open and we have predetermined we are not going to talk about the scripture or God at all. We are only going to talk about uh, health insurance. I just need to know about health insurance. Is it possible that because I have it in my mind, I'm not going to open up about the things of God 
that I am negating the scripture that says where two or three are gathered together in my name. In my name, to me, speaks to the purpose and the context of the gathering. And so I need, what I've learned from this tonight is I need to make sure this purpose and this context is at the forefront of my conversation. I don't, like you said, I don't have to just show up and shake your hand and start preaching to you, but I should, I should have, I, I'm believing we need to be coming together with the mutual understanding. I'm bringing Christ into this conversation. You are bringing Christ into this conversation. And therefore we are gathered in his name. Now, you can, you can give me advice about insurance, and man, I want to hear that, and I need to know it, but I'm, I'm realizing this is coming from a different angle, a different perspective, and to me, that it brings the value of this conversation, because I want to know how you feel about X, Y, and Z, but I, it's because I want to know your feelings, your thoughts. These things are rooted in the spirit of a Christian, a believer, one of God's children. And I'm trusting that when you talk to me about this or that, even if we're talking about opinions, we, we are doing so with the purpose of ministering in conversation, ministering in, in fellowship and I want that to be a driving force in my life because you know how it, how easy it is once that is your, your life, how easy it becomes that you can take that to work with you, take that to school with you and know, okay, I can just have a simple conversation and guess what? Before I even know it, the presence of the Lord is going to manifest and, and become evident in the words that I'm sharing, the words that I'm speaking. I long for that. I think we all do. Amen. Praise God. Yeah, I'm sojourning here for just a moment. <laughs> My son, but I, I'm, I'm still with you as long as you want to be here. Absolutely. Well, we're appreciative of your time and respectful of your time. But... Um, I know we're hearing from the Lord tonight. So that's, I'm, I'm thankful for that. I think we, when we, you know, started out talking about bridling our tongue. Just a second. Got to unlock the safe. You know what I keep locked in the safe, brother? What's that? Batteries. <laughs> All right. Isn't that crazy? But you know, when you know, I started doing that when the kids were teenagers to control things. <laughs> <laughs> so, Taylor, it's unlocked. So now that they're they're grown up, it's still kind of fun to have some control over their life. So I still own. That is a brilliant dad move. That is a brilliant dad move that I am making mental note of as we speak. I've raised five kids. I've got five grandchildren. And if you don't have control over something, you have control over nothing. <laughs> you know, that's why, you know, even, even at this point, my boys drive my cars. And the reason is I want to control that. And it's worth it to me to have that level of control 
hold on. Taylor, I love you dearly. It's unlocked. And I keep some money up there too. And I can trust them to take batteries and leave my money alone. <laughs> um, talking earlier in the, in the study, David says that I will bridle my mouth. And so we, we really need to, when we go into a conversation with someone, we're brothers or sisters in the Lord, plan to get together. It, you know, when we talk about prayer, it's like, that's something to pray about. I've got somebody coming over to my house tonight. I need to pray about that gathering. I need to pray about that meeting. You know, if I've, if I've invited, you know, my, some of my neighbors over for dinner, I need to pray about that. If, if my neighbor says, I'm coming over for coffee, and that happens quite often around here, I need to, Lord, be in this conversation. Yes. And, you know, and see what they've got to say, but then also bridle my mouth and say the good things. And even on the job, and for me, the, the job with, you know, different places where I've worked as, as a Christian, the job has always been a place of ministry. If I, if I can't minister on the job, I don't know if I want that job. And people used to <laughs> get freaked out. They'd like, Mel, don't you know you're going to get fired from Microsoft if you talk about Jesus? And it's like, I don't believe that. Mm -hmm. you, know, you can't talk about Jesus. Well, why, why can't I talk about Jesus? You know, I mean, you know, sometimes we conservatives are too conservative. You know, I, I don't even like being called a conservative. I actually, I'm a radical, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, there were times people, I, I'd be in somebody's office at Microsoft and, you know, talking to somebody and somebody would, you know, knock on the door. They, they want to, you know, come in. I'm like, come on in. We're having prayer. What? <laughs> yeah, we're having prayer. It's like, can you pray at Microsoft in somebody's office? Yeah. You know, my, my, my supervisor who kept me with him for almost 15 years, every time he moved around, he, he always took me with me. And he was a Muslim man from Turkey. And he loved when him and I would get together in his office and talk about God. And that was what he wanted. He expected Val's coming over. We're going to talk about the job. We're going to talk about business, but we are going to have a conversation. And he's invited me out to his house for dinner strictly for the purpose of talking about things of God. They didn't want to talk about work. They didn't want to talk about shop. They didn't want to talk about anything other than let's talk about what the Bible says. Let's talk about our faith. Let's compare notes. And once people know that that's what you're about, if you don't do that, it kind of bothers them. You know, brother, you know, I'm just going to say this right up front. You know, you're pastoring there. Mm -hmm. I expect you to talk like a pastor. You know, when you get together with them, they want you to pastor them. You know, I was a young man pastoring in a small little community many, 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 many years ago. And I would go to people's house for coffee. And I'd knock on the door and they'd be like, ah, oh, it's Pastor Mel. You know, it's the town of 1,400 people. Everybody knew me. It's just one of those things. And if I'm at their door and I say, hey, you know, I'm just driving down your road. You got the coffee pot on? They'd say, yeah, sure. So they'd let me in. They expect that I'm not there to talk about the crops, about the cows. And it was a farming community. Not, not there. To, of course, I'm going to talk about the price of milk. Of course, I'm going to talk about, you know, it's, it's haying time. Of course, I'm going to talk about those things. But I'm going to talk about church. I'm going to talk about Jesus. I'm going to leave them something. 
Mm. We have to. Mm. That's, what we, that's what we're all about. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. less than that, we disappoint people. They right. Really disappoint them. Yeah, because maybe they're hurting and they need something. Right. This takes me back to the the message that Bishop Schoonover preached on Sunday. If you haven't heard it yet, uh, I'm encouraging everybody to go and and watch that message he preached in in Puyallup (laughs) when he talked about masks and just the simple wearing of a mask and how it prevents people from talking to each other. I'm telling you what, if, if, if there's anybody that this world is, ex, is expecting to be able to talk behind a mask and still share words and truth, uh, it's, it's the truth believers, the Bible believers that, you know, oh man, I'm telling you, if they weren't watching you closely before, but, but they, they know you're a believer why would they not be watching you more closely now because they're wanting to know how does a believer respond to a situation like this? I know how the world responds. We're seeing it on a daily basis. This is how everyone responds. This is how the, forgive this term, community responds. But what does a Bible believer think about this, have to say about this? And, and no, I'm not asking you to go and preach about whether these social issues are right or wrong. I'm asking you to hear from God and first live it, and then second, be able to explain it and share it to someone just to, to say, uh, here's what I feel is right. The Lord has been talking to me about this for, for some time now. Sharing your I have to use the word opinion. I just can't think of a better word than this. Uh, convictions, I guess, is, is a, another term, but uh, that can be misconstrued. Sharing your opinion about a situation, because I know if I ask Brother Berglund for his opinion on a situation or on a subject, I'm well, not I'm just, going, <laughs> I'm not only going to get another man's opinion, I'm going to get a the opinion of a person of God, a man or a woman of God. And, and because of that, I am, I'm not saying I'm going to buy everything that he says hook, line, and sinker, but I'm looking for what is the Lord revealing to him about this situation and how, how similarly or how maybe how far off is that from what the Lord has tell, told me about it. I had a voicemail yesterday from Brother Manuel, and believe it or not, uh, this conversation didn't go any further than the voicemail when he said, I'm feeling something from God and I just need to know what you think. And that was a voicemail. And I didn't get back to him for at least three or four hours <laughs> after that. But the simple transmitting of word between believers, if I can put it that way, spirit between believers um, it, it's so valuable. And I think we've even been conditioned to not value it, or at least, uh, put a muzzle on it. If you'll pardon the pun, uh, to where I, I can't speak. I don't know. I, I'm afraid to say, you know, exactly how I feel about this situation. 
I'm just going to say it again. I'm, I'm starting, I, I'm, I'm going to wrap up because when I start to get repetitive, I know it's time to wrap up. But people need to know and want to know how you feel, not simply because they're looking for another opinion, but because they're looking for the opinion of a believer. They're looking for the words, the, the strength, the conviction of a believer. And when God, once you hear, it's okay to not have every answer, right? We don't have to say, well, here's exactly, you know, how the rest of 2020 is going to unfold. Nobody knows that. But I can tell you, here's what I feel about this situation right here. I think X, Y, and Z, because that's what's in my spirit, and I'm not the one that put it there. Amen? Brother Manuel, I see you waving. I'm going to unmute you um, as soon as I find you. Okay. Go ahead. I need to share something, you know, what's being talked about right now, uh, your conversation, you know what you say. In Texas, we used to come out of church and, you know, the brothers, we would all get together at a restaurant and all we were talking about was the Lord. And we did not know that people were listening to us. And sometimes they would come over to what church are y'all from and all that. And, uh, and out of all that conversation, some people came to the Lord. We, we weren't in there to convert them or nothing. Just what they heard us speak. You know, we were talking about the Lord, just conversing one with another. And then uh, sometimes it would it would get into a prayer meeting there. There would be somebody there that we could see that was going to, God would either talk to my wife or me or one of the brothers. Let me go talk to that person. See, you know, I feel like God is telling me to talk to them and they need prayer. We would go and they were going. One time a young girl had this bag hanging right there. And uh, uh, for some reason, I think Sister Escobar went over there does I feel like you're going through something and uh, would you like for us to pray for you and all? So she stood up, went over there and spoke to them and uh, they said, yeah, because I mean, these people, you know how people say, I believe in God, but that's, that's all they knew. And so they said, yeah, could you pray? Cause my daughter is going to go into surgery. They didn't know to pray to God or to ask somebody to pray for them. They, you know, it's just going to happen and see what happens. And we would start, we would have a prayer meeting because of that conversation that we were just having there in the restaurant. And then uh, after a while, we would see him again. Brother, sister, all of you, look what the Lord did. You remember that prayer that y'all prayed? My, my daughter is healed. She, the doctor can't understand what happened, but it's, uh, oh my God, it was so awesome how just with a conversation, what yeah. Pastor was saying, just, you know, the conversation, a lot of the uh, waitresses got saved just because of the conversation we were having there. Mm -hmm. Some of them would come and, oh, and then we'd be talking to them and, oh, I got to go back to work. They're going to get mad at me. But we gave them a good word, understanding. Sometimes they might have a question. So we would answer them and all that. And they were, I mean, and sometimes people would be sitting in a booth or something, and then they would come over. 
what church are y'all from? You know, because of the converse, just the conversation that we were having. <laughs> you know, that was so awesome that, you know, how yeah. God worked in all that. Yeah. Wonderful. I yeah. wanted to share that. Absolutely. Oh. oh, sister wants to share something about the mask. You know how you're saying about the mask? Yes. I got therapy and I had the mask and I hear them talking and they always ask me, it's been while they've been asking me, what are you going to do today, Anna? Uh-huh. And if it's Tuesday, and I go, we're going to, through the mask, I go, we're going to go ahead and um, have Zoom, we're going to have, you know, Bible study and all that, and they're listening. And then Monday, uh, the, the young man, he goes, what are you going to do today? And I go, today we're going to dedicate babies, and we're going to speak to them about the Lord. It goes about baptism and the door opened there. And I explained about X to 38 and other. And I had my mask. He has his mask. He was listening. <laughs> and then the other ones were listening too. Yes, we can speak. Whether we have that, we can still speak. The enemy is not going to close our mouth. Yes. Whether we have that or not, we can still witness to God. He's the king of the kingdom of our Lord. We need to go with boldness. Whether mass, the enemy wants to shut our mouth, but we're going to go and boldness and Amen. say, enough Amen. is enough. Amen. There are people hurting out there. Yeah. And they need us. They need us on drugs and alcohol. And they're crying for, and the enemy wants to shut us up. It's about time that we stand with boldness and say, enough is enough. That disease is got no more power than Jesus Christ. The shut us in the cross. That the Lord is going to be opened by the blood of Jesus. It's going to be reopened where people can be saved. Amen. 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 Exactly. I had to say that. Exactly what is needed. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Berglund, for that word. Amen. Brother Vance. Um, yeah, Brother Vance, go ahead. Thank you, Brother Berglund, for uh, uh, that message just cut me to the core, and I thank God for it because I was a person that, well, if I, I had to tell jokes because I, uh, to make people like me, and the Lord says, man, you don't have to do that. You're already accepted in my love. Just, just, just for, speak to them at work. I, I tell Bible stories to my uh, about David and Jesus and about this happened in their lives and, and and I'm not preaching. I'm just sharing. You know, but they don't a lot really like it. The mall. Hey, you, know, you can't be doing that. Well, I do it. I tell them. I sing songs all through the hallways, all gospel songs and. I sometimes they overhear me. I just preach it to myself, and they oh. <laughs> just um, I'm just I'm learning. I'm 62, and I've been kind of like an introvert. I have to break the ice with something like I tell tell them about this a funny saying or something, and then I you know the word of God says this about such and such. Whoa. <laughs> But I, I always try to put Jesus in there, you know, mm. in the mix, they say. And I just thank the Lord for what you said. I was crying. <laughs> God bless. Hey, oh, one more time, Brother, Ber Brother Weaver. I didn't hear that last part. I said I have to be going. All right. <laughs>
God bless you. I love you. You want to turn the computer off or what? I can leave it there. That's fine. Love it. I have to sojourn. All righty. Yeah, I just want to. I want to close with uh, what I'm. What I think we feel and recognize tonight is. What we feel tonight is edification. That's if I can sum it up in a word. What we felt tonight is edification, and it's come through the word of God being spoken in our conversation. And so, because of that, as we identify and know and feel, this is what's taking place through a conversation. We learn to lean upon that. Let it be unto edification. Can we pray one more time? Lord, we thank you for speaking to us tonight. Father, we thank you for your presence that has enveloped us tonight. God, and for all the great and awesome things you've shared with us. Lord, I thank you even for the conviction that you've shared with us tonight. Father, that we would survey our own conversation, our own communication. Jesus, and that we would lean upon the word of God in every area, in every aspect of our life, every part of our conversation, let us lean upon that word. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for it. God, we give you praise and we give you glory for the great things that are going to come out of this ministry that you've even done tonight, Father. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and unmute everybody just to give you a chance to, uh, those that are still on here, um, give you a chance to speak. And Brother Berglund, thank you again one more time for, uh, for, for speaking to us. And uh, we appreciate it. It's been wonderful. It's been great. If I was there with you, I'd be going out for coffee, some fellowship, and some tacos, right? Absolutely. Always. Yeah. We'll have to get over here so we can give you some of the, some tacos, some, some good tacos. Well, you know, I'm eating Taco Bell here. You know, you got to get me oh, over there. <laughs> we're going to have to pray about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we eat Taco Bell, too. <laughs> okay. That we do. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm, Pray and give thanks for it. It's fine with me. <laughs> Amen. Well, I've enjoyed this tonight, brother. And Absolutely. Just, just, it's, it's good to talk about the Lord. It's good to share the things of God. Yes, sir. Thank you for all that you've shared. And we will definitely want you to do this again. Oh, I'd love to. Amen. This is the ministry of conversation. Yes, sir. That's what we talked about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amen. Well, I'm out of here. Y'all keep talking. I've, I've got work to do, sadly. <laughs> all right. All right. God bless you, everybody. Appreciate you all. We'll see you soon.